0: Indiana's school funding formula. It's the cornerstone of determining how much money your child's school receives from the state each year. And this year, in what the governor and top lawmakers are calling the education session, the General Assembly is looking to change that blueprint. Some schools will make big gains, while others could see big cuts. I'm Brandon Smith, in for John Schwannis. And on this edition of Indiana Lawmakers, we'll talk with the architects of the school funding formula and try to get to the bottom of just what kind of changes we'll see before the session ends. Should money follow the child, or should the balance rest with poorer schools? Here's Christopher Ayers of WFYI News with more.
1: In the fight over education policy, there is one issue all sides can agree on. School funding is not working. Urban districts want more state aid to provide additional support to their students. Suburban schools say their per-pupil funding is not enough to provide basic programs. Republican House Speaker Brian Bosma is leading the charge to fix school funding. The House plan dramatically cuts the aid for students in poverty, known as complexity formula, and increases the base funding for each student. Uh, our
2: goal is to give more to each student through the foundation grant, is what we call it, and uh, to raise that foundation grant, and then we have to look at the dollars that go through the complexity formula and determine how best uh, to uh, to distribute them.
1: But some school leaders are questioning the plan that passed out of the House and now is being debated by the Senate. Indianapolis public schools could lose at least $14 million in the next two-year budget cycle, whereas Zionsville community schools would see a bump of less than $4 million in aid, but still lack the needed funds. IPS Superintendent Louis Farabee said during a WFYI chalkbeat forum in January that school funding problems can't be boiled down to comparing one district to another and expect both to have the same funding.
3: I think what we can't convert this conversation to uh, tonight and in the future is that someone has to win or lose. Uh, that, you know, there has to be uh, this competition between low poverty and high poverty school districts. At the end of the day, I think we all want to ensure that every child in Indiana has the resources and opportunities to be successful.
1: Lawmakers have less than a month to figure out if a new formula will appease everyone. For Indiana Lawmakers, I'm Christopher Ayers.
0: Thanks, Christopher. We'll be back in just a moment with our weekly roundtable discussion. Indiana Lawmakers, from the state house to your house.
1: Purdue startups speak modalities, helping children and families coping with nonverbal autism to develop communication skills, helping people changing lives. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org.
0: I don't think there's anyone in the General Assembly who doesn't want an increase in school funding. Just how much of an increase is a matter of some debate. But the larger debate is how that money will be doled out. First, there's the foundation, the basic amount each school gets per student. Then there's what's called the complexity index, which more than lives up to its name. Here to help us figure all of this out are Crawfordsville Representative Tim Brown, Chair of the House Ways and Means Committee and author of the House Republican Budget. South Bend Democratic Senator John Broden, who's part of the Senate Democrats fiscal team. Senator Ryan Mishler, a Republican from Bremen, who is leading his caucus on the school funding portion of the budget and Mike Schaefer, the Chief Financial Officer of Zionsville Schools, which are just north of Indianapolis. Well, Doc Brown, we'll start with you, because that's uh, where we've uh, seen a, a budget so far. How did this shift in school funding, the school funding formula, start? Where did it come from, essentially?
2: Well, uh, the objective and agenda of the House Republicans was to increase foundation, substantially increase foundation, so that every student would have uh, a chance of at an excellent uh, education and opportunity so by doing that we had to add quite a few uh, new dollars as well as potentially shift some of the money within the formula you, how do you
0: approach exactly how much you can spend to give the inner workings of the budget process how do you say okay this is how much we can actually spend increasing that foundation and, and
2: that's a good question because a lot of people say that you know there's money that could go to education in other parts what I decide first is just like a household budget what's your largest item you spend money on it's usually a mortgage or a car payment and that's what I what we do at the house budget a team gets together and we decide how much we're gonna put to education and we came to that percent increase which gave us a dollar figure off the revenue forecast so you increase the foundation so
0: that's what every school gets per student but then there's also some changes to complexity talk about
2: what does the complexity index do how does that work in the past, the complexity in past formulas and up in this present funding, it's 50% of the foundation. And what we've seen over time, since the 90s to now, is that for every new dollar we put into education, an increasing percentage went to complexity as opposed to foundation. And so, the difference between foundation and complexity grants uh, became larger. But Senator Broden, uh, the complexity index is meant to help uh,
0: primarily at-risk students or schools with, ha- with at-risk students so schools like Gary, Indianapolis, Hammond, even South Bend have a higher percentage of those students than some other places in the state so if we're reducing how much money goes into complexity versus the foundation what does that do to those schools?
4: Well I, mean, I certainly don't need to look any further than my own district to give that answer and that is the uh, South Bend Community School Corporation will lose uh, roughly fifteen million dollars over the biennium just in the complexity index uh, alone and a uh, school city of Mishawaka um, uh, would lose about uh, three to four million dollars and so uh, you're seeing that where this has become a real uh, frankly uh, <laughs> intense battle if, if you want to use that word within the framework of, of the General Assembly for a very scarce resource and uh, I think we've kind of put ourselves in, in some respects in a fiscal uh, straitjacket with respect to this issue because we're funding charters, we're funding vouchers uh, all out of the same pot of money and uh, and it's become very difficult so you're seeing a lot of money shifting around rather than trying to increase funding for all schools so
0: if that's the if that's what's happening with the change in the formula they, well they, i
2: guess i i would uh, disagree a little bit okay. i uh, senator broden you talked about the decrease in complexity how much did they increase in foundation the example of my is actually when you look at their increase of foundation versus their decrease in complexity they overall gain dollars in the formula proposed out of the House budget. And again, it's back to the issue, we decided on a total amount of uh, money going to schools, education, the extra money, the new money, and then we did not carve any money out. There's no money cut out of the top. It goes for all students in the state of Indiana, all 1.069 million of the students.
0: So if you talk about IPS actually getting a little more money because of the increase in foundation, then why are we seeing an overall funding decrease for schools like IP in Indianapolis, Gary Hammond,
2: South Bend. It's the loss of uh, kids in the school, what we call the ADM, the Average Daily Membership. We have decided as a public policy that money follows the child, and when you lose children in your school corporation, you'll lose money.
0: Now, Senator Mishler, the the Senate now has the budget document, and you're looking at school funding are you looking to pretty much keep the same way the house republicans have gone or are you looking to change that up a little bit?
2: We're taking
5: a
0: look at the complexity,
5: maybe the metric they use. Um, They're using free lunch, which is currently free textbooks, and we're we're maybe looking at a different metric to use. Um, Also the grant, the grant changed from 2293 to 2000. Um, So we're going to look at those and the complexity. And and there's always going to be a gap because we realize that poverty plays a part in this. But I think the question we're trying to answer is how big should that gap be? and many think the gap is too big like currently it's about 2800 dollars from the highest to the lowest funded i think in your budget it goes to twenty seven the second year and twenty four hundred dollars the, the first year twenty four hundred the second year so there's going to be a gap it's just a, a matter of how much that gap be
0: now i know some some schools uh... are going to take a hit like you talked about with south bend ips gary but some schools are going to see um, an increase in funding, like Zionsville, but you were, we were talking a little earlier, you said, yes, you're going to get a little more money in this budget under the, the House Republican proposal, but it's still not a ton of money. Talk to, talk to me a little bit about that.
6: Well I, I think that's something that, that's important for us to keep in mind. When we look at, what well, we consider our apples apples comparison, which is the foundation plus complexity numbers, Zionsville over the biennium, as the budget has been proposed and passed by the House, will gain about $246 per student. It's certainly a help to us, and we're grateful to it. Dr. Brown, thank you. <laughs> publicly thank you for that. Uh, it's it's uh, something that we're, we're excited about. I think when we look at the overall funding formula, first of all, on the complexity issue, and in full disclosure here, Zinesville has the lowest free lunch rate in the state. And so that's going to mean you know we'll always see the least amount of complexity. We know that. We understand that. Uh, but we, we have uh, been advocating for a long time for changes to the complexity index. Uh, Dr. Brown's budget, if I may call it that, uh, does, does several things that we think are moving in the right direction. As, as Senator Mister pointed out, uh, the current fund funding formula shows that 50% of the foundation amount is what is set for, for complexity. If we look nationwide, that nationwide average for other states is really more like 40%. Uh, the, uh, the move to, to move that down from the $2,200 figure to $2,000 is a move that puts us right about that 40% level and kind of brings us in step with the national norms. So we applaud that. Uh, We think that those are, are, uh, I'll just call it reforms, reforms that are are overdue, Uh, and so that is a good thing. Uh, There are a number of school corporations which are apparently by the LSA run, the uh, Legislative Services Agency's calculation of who gains, who loses, how much, that kind of thing. Uh, That shows that there are are 79 school corporations which will lose uh, more than $100,000, but 76 of those Uh, can be attributed to a loss of enrollment. Their their enrollments are declining. So 76 out of 79, uh, that's that's understandable. Uh, As far as Zionsville Community Schools is concerned, we're one of those outliers at the bottom with lowest funding in the state uh, in terms of complexity and foundation for uh, 2017. By the the time we get there in in this budget, uh, we've been at the bottom before. If we go back 1992, 1993, 2000, 2001, uh, you know, we know what being at the bottom is like. Our concern is that the difference between now and then was that being at the bottom still meant you had enough money, enough dollars per t- student to uh, to adequately fund your schools. And, and our concern is right now, 2017 doesn't get us back to the amount of money that we had in 2009 because of the, the decreases in funding that uh, were in education and budgets that were uh, passed in previous years. So we're still uh, $600 in 2017 per student on a complexity plus foundation basis, below where we were in two thousand nine.
0: Now, I don't think a lot of people think of Zionsville schools as uh, a population mm-hmm. that's struggling, and I think and, and Zionsville has a sterling reputation when it comes to achievement. So, what what are we, what were we seeing that would would say, well, we really need help. Why do you really need that help?
6: Well, I, I think we really need that help because we've had to cut back a number of things uh, over the last several years. We uh, uh, have uh, a number of programs that we had to eliminate for instance we don't have physical education in the elementary schools uh, we don't have project lead the way which is the the uh, premier stem program if you will i had a conversation with with a member of my staff just last week and, and she told me about her st- her child's first days at, at purdue he went to purdue he joined the engineering program he graduated zinesville high school he had a very good gpa had all the credentials he walked in and the first day he says, I'm sitting here with kids who've done coding, who've done CAD, who've had this experience and that experience, who actually got to do experiments in their physics class rather than just watching the teacher do it, which we couldn't do because our class size was too high to do it safely. He says, I've had, I've had you know, a, a deficit of these experiences. I started out behind at the very beginning. We're concerned about that. We think that our, our children are not seeing the services and not getting the support that other students and other school corporations are getting yes our, our test scores look good uh, that means that's a great thing but when you have a child in, in physics uh, or engineering in Purdue uh, the number of other kids who graduate from the same high school they did who also passed step doesn't help them very much when they start out feeling like they're behind
0: Dr. Brown you've talked about uh of the philosophy behind the shift in the formula is being the money file follows the child, but also that we want to make sure that kids across the state are treated the same mm-hmm. in the same situations. But isn't a quote-unquote at-risk kid in Zionsville or Carmel really the same as a kid
2: in Indianapolis or Gary? Well, if we look historically at at-risk money, in uh, 1999, when we had a decade of uh, Democrat Governor and Democrat House, we were spending $43 million at at-risk students. This budget proposed spends $840 million. That is tw- almost 20 times increase in just 11 year, or 15 years, I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> so that is outpacing inflation. It's outpacing the, the changes in poverty. We have done an adequate job. There's also a study out there that Indiana is ranked second in the country as far as funding at-risk kids, and so I think we've done a stellar job at looking at the at-risk population.
0: Senator Broden, is there a way to, to write the formula? The, f- the formula, excuse me, that
4: lifts everybody up? Is that really possible? Well, certainly it, it, it's possible. The the problem is is that um, we're kind of missing the forest from the trees here. If you listen to what Mr. Schaefer just said, he's getting less money. 10 years later than he was getting back in 2007, and comparisons that Dr. Brown is making really aren't apples-to-apples apples comparison because it omits the fact that we picked up the remaining school fund levy off of the property taxes, so a lot of education funding used to be done through property tax dollars, so that's not an uh, uh, apples-to-apples comparison. The problem is we've cut uh, income taxes, we've cut corporate taxes, we've cut the financial institutions tax, and, uh, and we've expanded charters and we've expanded vouchers. And now we're wondering why we don't have enough money to give to our schools. So I think we're missing the forest from the trees. We're just not spending enough money uh, on education based on historical standards.
0: To that point about we used to fund it through property taxes, and obviously the property tax caps are in the Constitution, Senator Mishler. Is that maybe really the root cause of all this? When you have places like Scienceville, which are growing rapidly, you're seeing more and more students and, and a pretty... Uh, uh, high uh, income rate in those areas, and so you figure property taxes would have been pretty high there. Is that really the the cause of all of this that we can't get as much money from those? Well, when the state took over
5: the, the general fund for the schools, about 15% on the average came from property taxes. Zionsville is in a unique situation because 65% of theirs came from property taxes. So that's why Zionsville finds themselves in a unique situation because such a large percentage of their general fund came from property taxes when the state average was 15 so we're only funding the general fund. so the tax caps would affect um, their building projects uh, cap- their capital projects funds transportation things like that so that would not come into play with the general fund anymore
4: uh, well one issue if I could just yeah, add Senator Mitchell and I were both at, at a forum on, on Saturday in Mishawaka and a number of school corporations are having to use general fund dollars that should be in the classroom For capital projects just to patch holes, fix the roof, and and things like that. So I think it has had a big impact in a number of communities, the tax caps.
5: Primarily due to the loss of the assessed value. It's not just the caps. What's happened is their assessed value has gone down, and then the caps on top of that. So I think the number one problem has been the
2: loss in their assessed value. I think one of the debates we could also talk about when we did the reform, we uh, initiated local option income taxes for property tax relief done at the local level. You do an income tax. Uh, We never included schools in any of that. You know, county government and city government got included, but schools, the largest part that we supply under property tax uh, in the capital part, uh, weren't included in the local option income tax so should we include school I think that's the debate that we can have and how we do that would be you know an, another uh, bill or summer study committee that we'd have to have
0: Mike Schaefer uh, you talk about in, 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 uh, in Zionsville you you were operating under a referendum for the last few years did that help
6: uh, it, it did if I can just back up just a minute as sure. a point of clarification the reason I was making comparisons to 2009 2009 is the first year that that the first full year that the state took over funding a general fund So it's it's actually post the effect of the changeover from local property tax funding to to state funding We're talking state dollars to state dollars here um, In regard to your question about the the referendum. We did pass a referendum in 2012 We've passed a three-year referendum. So this is our our last year of the referendum uh, Obviously, we're, we're sitting here with sort of bated breath to see what the legislature uh, does at the end of the day uh, with the funding formula because that will affect our, our strategic planning going forward. Obviously, there are there are a number of issues that are, are all tied up in that package, and one of them, of course, is the question of whether or not there should be another referendum, and if so, uh, what kind of sizing would be the right sizing, that sort of thing. Uh, we think those discussions locally are premature yet, but frankly, the school corporations that, that aren't getting enough money from the uh, from the state to operate adequately. You know, do look a referendum. If you look at the number of school corporations, the past referendums and the list, you'll see that not only is has it been done in a number of places, but that list is 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 pretty compelling. The top performing school corporations in the state, Zionsville, Carmel, Hamilton, Southeastern, West Lafayette, on and on, they've all had to pass referendums to maintain the adequate funding to, to keep their programs even at, at a reasonable level, even though we are operating uh, with these reductions and, and cuts I mentioned earlier. Uh, I think that then you get into the question of, well, uh, if, if one community has to pass a referendum and tax its people again with additional property taxes to keep their schools operating at a level that the community next door doesn't have to do, that has the same amount of dollars with, with the funding formula that the first school corporation had with the funding formula plus referendum dollars, is, is, that, is that really the public policy that we want to see in Indiana?
0: Senator Mischler, as the Senate Republican Caucus looks at its budget, um, uh, is, you, you've talked already about wanting to reduce the disparity between the highest and lowest funded schools. But some of those schools, like Gary in Indianapolis and Indianapolis and South Bend, that we've talked about, are getting a little sticker shock mm-hmm. right now with what they've seen out of the State House. Is there a thought to maybe moving in this direction that we're going, but taking it a little slower, taking that shift a little slower?
5: Well, I've taken a look at how much it would take to keep those schools whole
0: in the formula that have lost
5: money. Um, the problem we have, like Representative Brown said, is the, the reduction in the ADM count. That's something we just we just can't make up. But I'm taking a look at what would it take to get everybody at zero, so no one lost money in the formula, but they could still lose money, um, with their ADM loss. so we are taking a look at that and seeing what that
0: would cost to kind of transition this a little smoother Senator Kenley is often uh, preaching caution when it comes to budgeting as you well know um, a thought to how much the House Republicans increase the budget overall are you looking at the same levels?
5: Uh, the 469 million to the foundation we thought that was a a good number um, I don't know if we're gonna uh, add to that I, I can say we probably won't take away from it but uh, we, we thought they did a good job putting in the $469 million to K-12 education.
0: Uh, similar question to you, Doc Brown, which is um, can we make this a more gradual
2: shift? I think that's a discussion point. We'll continue to have that discussion. And when we looked at the $469 million, you know, we looked at what the revenue forecast was in December. And so all things are kind of predicated on what the April forecast will be, you know, how much money will be there to work with as we get down to the final negotiations.
0: I don't want to do too much of a deep dive in this, but Senator Broden's brought it up a couple times, so I've got to ask you about the idea of what vouchers and charter school funding take away, if you will, from Uh, the overall education budget. Is that a problem?
2: I guess I don't accept that premise. It doesn't take away. We decide what we're going to spend on education and then the formula looks how we distribute to
4: every child in the state of Indiana.
0: At the end of the day you're still funding kids. Isn't that a good thing?
4: Well I think uh, um, it's it's good for some but then it leaves tens of thousands of others in a very difficult uh, uh, situation where they uh, see uh, larger classroom sizes and uh, more difficult hurdles toward learning.
0: Right, that'll have to be the final word again. And my guests have been Republican Representative Tim Brown of Crawfordsville, Senator John Broden, Democrat from South Bend, Republican Senator Ryan Mishler, and Mike Schaefer, CFO of Zionsville Community Schools. Some call it student aid. Others call it indentured servitude, the creative ways we're funding higher education on the next Indiana Lawmakers. It's time now for our weekly discussion with Ed Feigenbaum, publisher of not only Indiana Legislative Insight, but also Indiana Education Insight. So as we talk about the school funding formula, is this something we should have seen coming from
3: a, for a while now, or is this kind of a, a sudden shift? I think it's a, a lot like a lot of the other issues that we're seeing come up, Brandon. You know, all of a sudden, we're, we're realizing that society's changed, that our tax structure's changed, that some of our needs have changed. as a result we're starting to reassess some of these things we're also realizing now that a huge proportion of our budget is going to education you know more than two-thirds and as a result there are going to have to be some some changes and accommodations in the the budget in general and then how we allocate those dollars and at, at the same time we've got all these converging needs We've got different school districts with different kinds of needs. We've got these growing suburban districts. We've got charter schools coming into the equation, which, which I think has forced a little bit of, of the change. And then you've got the urban schools with the declining enrollments that are having problems and that need more money or say that they need more money. And all these, these competing interests are clashing. The legislators are, are realizing that it's time to, to really take a different look at things.
0: We, uh, we're seeing, at least in the House Republican budget, a pretty dramatic shift. Uh, from schools like Gary and Indianapolis to schools like Zionsville and Carmel. So is, do you think when we finish that budget uh, in late April,
3: is it going to be that same shift or might it be more gradual? Oh, I wish I knew. Um, no, I, I think there's going to be a, a shift, but I think as, as you indicated and as, as you discussed with, with Dr. Brown, it will probably be, after it comes out of Senator Kenley's committee, a little bit more gradual a change. I think that, that he'll do more of a phasing in than an immediate kind of, of shift. But don't look for Senator Kenley to kind of radically change things and go to a, a minimum guarantee. There's really no sentiment in the, the Republican caucus, particularly in the, in the Senate, for a minimum guarantee and and i think that a lot of the the members of the senate committee on appropriations now in the majority believe that they are more than adequately funding uh... education k-12 education and that they're providing a pretty good floor
0: and very briefly uh... john broden and and democrats in general like to blame vouchers and charter funding for a lot of the problem here is there is there something to that
3: i think that there's something to that in, in terms of of how the formula works out and and how some of the the urban schools have been losing population, but query whether that would have happened regardless, that's still an unanswered question, but something must be done for some of these other districts like Gary and, and IPS because they do have fixed costs and those costs are not going to go away regardless of how many students they have. Thanks very much, Ed.
2: For more information, episode streams, and extra content, visit us on the web at WFYI.org lawmakers.
0: You can access live streaming coverage of the General Assembly on the Internet as well. And remember, you can get our show on demand from Xfinity and Bright House Networks. That wraps up this edition of Indiana Lawmakers. I'm Brandon Smith. On behalf of WFYI Public Media and Indiana's other public broadcasting stations, thanks for joining us and I invite you to visit WFYI.org for exclusive web content, including the best advice our guests have ever received. Until next week, so long.
1: Purdue researcher Phil Owens is creating new ways to map soil functions, improve plant growth, and increase crop yields, leading through innovation and job creation. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org.